0: Hello, welcome everybody. Today we have a special podcast and I have a guest speaker. Her name is Debbie Boyd and uh, she's uh, chiming in from Dallas, Texas. And uh, Debbie, are you online? I am. Hi, how are you? Good, great. So tell me a little bit about you and how you got started in real estate, especially in the mortgage business.
1: Sure. Well, you know, I've always um, bought and sold real estate. I think a lot of people buy and sell homes, and I got into the mortgage business. I think it was 25 years ago now. My daughter's turning 20, so um, 25 years ago, and I was working at model homes in Houston. I was selling model homes. You know, where you get to walk into a new home and pick out whatever you want, cabinet wise and flooring wise, and and I just happened to sell a house to a vice president of a bank. And he was like, you know, you understand the process. You're, you're good with numbers. If you would come and work for me, I could teach you how to build a career out of this, not just be a salesperson. And so I went, I've worked for a couple of different banks as a vice president of a bank and mortgage lending um, and a lot of independent lenders. And I, I started my own shop when my kids were little because, um, Everybody thought that when you have kids, you can't be a working woman and show up to work, and I worked 24-7, so the kids kind of grew up in my office working with me. Um, I I left the self-employment road in 20, I guess it was 2008 when we did the big fallout from before, um, because there's a whole lot of new laws came into um, ruling us as mortgage lenders. You know, they had to blame somebody for the fall, and it was us, and- uh, made restrictions a lot more, made me responsible now, and I could go to jail if anyone on my staff did anything wrong. And and it was more liability than I wanted to take on, uh, being a single mom with little kids. So um, now I'm back as a broker by myself, and I have a small staff. And and times have changed, Um, but I do all the originating, so I'm not going to jail. So it makes it... um, stressful and very busy. Uh, Now's a great refi boom. So we're always, always, always busy nights, weekends, all the time. So uh, that's how I got into the business.
0: Yeah, I think we have kind of a parallel here because I started also, you know, before I had children, was over 30 years ago. But looking for a business that you can run you know from your home and i think right now with everything's going on and the women are really uh, struggling with that because let's face it if it is a two-income household and you have children usually the woman is expected to stay home with the children while the husband works and so to build a business that actually can even produce even greater income and greater potential like what you have done and i have done is very very appealing to women nowadays so, and the other thing that you mentioned is to have somebody that basically gave you the idea, right? You stumbled into it, somebody you showed the house and they said, well, you can do this. That pretty much went for me too. I went to an open house. I met the broker that was really successful and decided that's what I wanted to do. And then, you know, I got that and started running with it. But that's very similar. And I think with women, it's very inspiring to take an idea that speaks to you and really develop it, Right. Yes, that's what you do. And so why did you decide, what was the main reason you decided to really, what spoke to you as far as this business?
1: Well, I think that I have learned over the years what my gift is. They say, you know, you got to find, find out what your gifts are. And those things come to you pretty easily. So I just have always been um, thinking of myself as a helper. And so now I've kind of blown that up and I'm a financial helper. I'm a real estate helper. I'm a mortgage helper. I do investments, helping I do long-term care insurance and life insurance helping. And so now I've kind of blown up my career to be an all around financial helper. So I think that's a better term for what I do. Mortgages is just part of it. I think um, you have to really learn to go against the grain of what everybody else says and do what speaks to you to be truly happy and You know, as I was building all this, people thought I was a little crazy. Um, I was married at the time to a guy that owned a, we owned a property and casualty life insurance um, business, and he didn't do life insurance, didn't do health insurance, only PNC. And so he goes, you know, your job is to raise these kids and do PNC business and insurance is needed. And in all times, you know, great times and bad times. Um, but I also wanted to make sure that I was um, fulfilled. And I think the mortgage and the numbers just spoke to me. There was more challenge to that. So I did both for a long time and people were like, just pick a lane, you know, and stay in it. And I had to constantly fight against that. When I got divorced, I had a couple years to rebuild myself and I, I kept my mortgage business and I, I had referred a lot of business out at that time to financial planners. And they, they, they were all my friends now. And they're like, why don't you just become one of us? You know what we do. You follow all the stuff. You refer us a lot of business. Come be like us and, and take over more of your clients' lives. And so that's what I did. So every step, every, I guess, potential setback, if you could view it that way, turned into a big step forward once you regroup and figure out that it's your calling, it's nobody else's. And I think that's where a lot of women just stop is that somebody disagrees with them. Somebody doesn't understand what they're doing. And they're like, no, play small. And I got tired of playing small. I I wanna play big. I wanna make a difference in people's lives. So now it doesn't matter if I do your mortgage. You know, A lot of my clients are the same people. My people that I do mortgages with end up being my um, investment clients that end up being my PNC clients end up needing uh, life insurance when something changes or they become my reverse mortgage clients later on but everyone is always referring me not because of maybe my expertise in something it's like debbie can help so i think i'm more of a helper now than anything
0: right i think that it comes really natural for women to have like you say being a helper you know being a, really looking to be of service and yeah. those are big strengths that come natural to us women, right? And that's one of the things I was always taught from the beginning of my real estate career to be that way, to be of service and to be a helper, create win-win situations. And another thing that you said that I think is very important is to, that you focused, you know, when you went through this change in your life with your divorce, the fact that you focused on really building one side of your business. That's very crucial too, because sometimes we're scattered, you know, especially as women, we have so many things that we're trying to do. And to really focus on one part of the business, and then you can go ahead and add something else and something else. That's very important.
1: Well, so I that- think that, that not everybody could see that. So for a lot of time, you know, people say, you know, I taught college for a while. I taught appraisal and real estate ethics. And um, I needed, I wanted that steady showing up somewhere, you know, I'm self-employed. So being by yourself a lot, I mean, I had, you know, processors on the phone, but really being by myself didn't fulfill me at that time. So I taught for a couple years and kept my mortgage business going and started my PNC business. So I had everything <laughs> going at once, but out of struggling to make sure I had enough money to provide for my kids and do what I needed to with them, you know, it's important right. that, That was always my goal. So every setback I've had has always led me to be more fulfilled and able to do more than I ever thought possible out of, I'm the one that's responsible for my kids. So I need to get with it. And every step just makes it one more. My kids are now much older. My daughter goes to TCU and my son goes to Ole Miss and and I pay for that. So I have to, you know, My son was like, are you sure you can afford this? And I said, you know, it's an extra $100,000 a year. I better step it up. So every, and we talk about money and, you know, the rent where they live and, you know, their, their expenses and, and all that cost. And so it's just, instead of being resentful or mad or mad about the past or whatever, I just use that as a, as a bottom block to get even bigger. So it propels me forwards where it would drag other people down. I just buckle down, put my head down and work harder. And I think um, I've learned much more about me. I'm a lot stronger. Most women are much stronger than they give themselves credit for. They just that you may not like it, but that's what life does to you. It makes you stronger. I'm not hard. I'm very nice and very um, thankful. But at the same time, I'm very driven because I have goals now. You know, it makes me be better. It makes me raise my goals every year.
0: Right. And, uh, you know, something that you mentioned that, you know, like with your son that you need uh, extra money every year, um, it's one of the things I always tell you, real estate to me is a tool for something else, not the other way around. So, you know, I don't try to adjust my goals because they fit within real estate. I adjust the real estate to fit with my goals. And you exactly. need the extra money, that's fine. We, you know, we can do it. You know, I use real estate to do that. And this is very important to have that mind shift, right? It, it is. is the, where are you now? You're also a real estate investor uh, besides being a mortgage broker. So where are you now? What type of investments do you do and what appeals to you as far as real estate?
1: Well, you know, it's who you surround yourself with, I think, a lot of times. And so I, I work with um, a builder up in Dallas, and we've flipped some properties together, and it's been very enlightening to see what's behind the scenes. And he has, you know, since that's his job, I let him do his part of the job, and I do my part of the job, which... I look for the properties. I buy them at good prices. He helps me renovate them and turn them into something much bigger and grander that I could ever do on my own. So it's a great fit. Um, so I've got an, an investment property. There was a 19 little 20s house that we um, I found over by TCU where my daughter goes to school. It's within walking distance to school, developed neighborhood. Um, so it fit the bill of what I could understand. And then partnering with him made it go to a whole new level, which He was like, You know, you just don't want to put lipstick on a pig and repaint it. You want (laughs) to take the roof off, put on a second story. Where you make your money is adding extra square footage. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, how do we do that? And so I can work the numbers side of it. I look for other people to do what they do best. Um, so that house is up for sale. Now we, we are just getting the certificate certificate of occupancy uh, today and tomorrow. So we'll be able to sell that house now. And now I found another house at the townhouse in Plano, what near where I live. And it's a little um, three bedroom, two story townhouse that a little man is leaving. Uh, he's 88. He's going to go live with his daughter and, and son-in-law in their house. He can't get upstairs anymore. And so they've discounted this house um, over and over and over. And so I was looking through all the, the real estate sites and, and through MLS and and found this house had you know decreased in price about sixty thousand dollars. So when I would go in and add, I got my estimate for flooring and paint, I'll be able to put twenty thousand in and, and potentially make forty thousand dollars. And and again that helps me churn that money. Uh, in a positive way to that pays tuition for the next semester for the kids. So, you know, it just, it's just one more way to make your money work for you. Instead of me thinking I have to make it all in commissions all the time, I can actually put that money back to work for me. Right. right. Those are the two things that I'm working on That's very powerful.
0: Um, so now going back in, uh, you know, being in real estate as long as you have, What is, you think, some of the biggest mistakes you've made that you say, you know what, uh, you know, if I did it again, I wouldn't do it. And so, and what did you learn from it?
1: Well, you know, I've learned that I'm not a very good landlord. Uh, it, it, I am too emotionally attached to my properties. So I'm now in the habit of flipping them. I didn't, you know, I do a lot of loans for a lot of investors and they buy property, put renters in it, and they, they may let the property run down. You know, I've learned if you're going to take care of property, you have to make sure you're not emotionally tied to the property. And if, if I need to see it mowed when I go by, then I just need to include that in the rent. So when I drive by that property, I'm not appalled that the yard hasn't been kept up or, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm appalled at the way people treat my property. And so I have learned for me, um, I don't want a management and pay another 10% out to a property manager. I find that they don't are not as conscientious as I am. Uh, So I, I know that my strength is buying property at a reduced price and fixing it and turning it over to somebody because it it pains me uh, terribly to see my property in disarray. And so I don't think I'm as good at that as I would like to be. Um, Although there's great money to be made in that if you find the right property manager and um, you know, you're, but you're more risky. So, you know, right now as a financial planner, I wear all these different hats. And as a financial planner, I have to think of what can I do with my money to make the most. So when the stock market's falling apart, um, I or it's riskier and people don't like that, you either need to learn to sit with your money in the stock market and let the stock market do what it's going to do. Or for me, I took some of it out and started investing in real estate. I thought I had more of a say in what I purchase and how I flip it than the stock market that I have a say in these big companies and mutual funds that I'm invested in. So my strategy changed a little bit. Um, I needed that money to, I wanted that money to do other things for me. So I still have investments. Um, I still put some of my earnings away in a, in a Roth IRA. So I still believe in all that. I just took some money out to do real estate because to me, that was fun. Um, I let it sit in the stock market for four years and it wasn't as fun. Um, so So to me, that was more fun to, to actually be part of it. Um, but you, you have to have it all. You know, you have to have your salary, you have to have investments, you have to put money away for a rainy day. I, I put some of my money into long-term care while I'm still young and healthy. Um, not that young anymore. I'm 55. And so, you know, if you buy your long-term care in your fifties, it's a much better price than when you buy it in your sixties, and you can't buy it after you get seventies. So a lot of these things I've done preemptively to help protect my money that I get future and my earning power and how I'm going to live, you know, being a mortgage broker, I sit at my desk most days. I mean, I have a stand-up desk and I stand there and I work numbers for people. Um, But if I can't think all of a sudden, then I can't do any of the things that I know how to do. So I kind of doubled down on the protection side of my life. Um, That's probably one of the parts that people don't do the most that they should do is they don't want to think anything bad could happen to them. They think that regardless of what area you're in, your investments, your real estate, you think that this will never end. And it does. And the problem is it, it can end at any time. The real estate market could take a dive at any time. Right now it's doing great, but it could go down. Uh, stock market is doing great and then it's not doing great and it does great and so you have to be able to weather the storms and a lot of people just aren't set up for that
0: right right yeah Yeah. 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 one of the things that you said in the beginning that you know you recognize that being a landlord was not one of your fortes and that's what I tell people all the time you know you have to be honest with yourself you know I was talking to somebody this morning he has been fixing flipping properties for over 30 years and he does over 20 properties at a time, but wow. his art is not into it anymore. And so I said to him, you know, I says, you have to be honest with yourself. What do you want to do at this point in your life? What are you comfortable with? Obviously you need the income, but how much money do you need? And there are so many ways to make money with real estate, right? So oh, you sure. have to really be honest and say at this point in my life, this is what I enjoy doing. Like you said, this is what I like to do. This is what I enjoy as far as real estate. And that's what you do because you don't have to make money real estate with something you don't like to do. There's too many no. ways they make money. No,
1: I mean you can be a property manager and take care of other people's stuff. You know, I my my problem is I I call it helping. Other people call it mothering. Um, <laughs> so my kids are old enough. I don't get to mother them so much anymore. Um, and so I take care of my clients. I just say, I take care of everybody. And so I try to help them and watch out for them. And, you know, a lot of people want fast money. A lot of people have their own, you've got to know what your relationship is with money. So what I find happens is most people don't understand their relationship with money at all. They think that's because their uncle made money this way, or their aunt does it this way, or their sister does it. It's fine for them. And you're right, internally, if you can't take the turmoil of buying and flipping properties, don't do it. Invest right. and hold. Some people should be in the stocks because they can invest and hold and never look at it. Great. If you want if, if the ups and downs bother you, then you've got to find an, a better way because this market, like you know, is full of ups and downs, and you have to be able to weather it. Right. right
0: and uh, what do you think you're most proud of of uh, what you have done in your career
1: I think um, most proud of personally is my kids um, most proud of in my career is that I've been able to keep adding on layer after layer and trying to be of more service to people and learning more I did not realize um, how narrow some people's expertise and they only know one thing and they know very little about money and real estate and all the stuff that I do. And I think it's normal. It's not normal. Most people don't love to talk about long-term care like I do or love to run numbers for mortgages like I do. So I think that I've learned that that's my niche, but because I want to always learn more, I'm a learner. It, it's helped me learn different things. I feel like I'm a more service to people. And I think that's what I'm most proud of is that I never stopped when other people told me what I was doing was crazy. Because it's not, it's crazy to them until they see the big picture. And now that I can talk about all these things, I don't see them as crazy. Because before you would have to get your financial planner sitting down with, you know, I can do something to you not so good in the mortgage world that has tax ramifications that your CPA is not going to like. That's going to take money out of your investments that your financial planner doesn't like and that doesn't do anything to protect you for your future, even though you have all these holdings. So it really does take three or four people to sit down and help every individual plan out their life. The problem is most people don't do that. Um, They have a CPA that they tell certain things to and then they have a financial planner that does their money. But then they make independent mortgage decisions through someone that's a loan officer, maybe at a bank that has really no formal training in finances. They just sit and fill out forms. Well, you don't know what the ramifications of those forms are. So now when people call me, I feel like I can take them through all of these areas in their life. If they say, you know, right now rates are at an all-time low um, to some rates just came out at like $1. I hate to time this interview, but there's some rates that are extremely low, 1% and 2%. And um, so um, people say, you know, I need to pay off my house. I don't know. Do you? Tell me about the rest of your financial world. Is this the smartest thing right now? Because paying off your house, you're paying off something that costs you 2 or 3%. If you could take that same $100,000 and invest it in a real estate property, then you could have renters in there paying you rent. Is that a better use of your money? Or maybe you could invest it in stocks or mutual funds right now, some of the market's on sale, or maybe do you need to protect yourself for long-term care? Do you have any of that protection? So maybe there's a better use for that money than paying your mortgage off because the problem is, and you know this with real estate, is people think their life is going one way and then they call you a couple years later and they say, oh my gosh, this has all changed now, now I need this, I've gotta sell my house. And the only way we can get that equity out of our biggest asset is either to refinance it or to sell it. And a lot of people as they age, they want to do something different with the house they have, they wanna downsize or not have an upstairs or whatever, and they can't qualify if they're on social security or a pension, their financial life has changed, which means that they may have to stick with what they have because they can't afford to sell it and qualify for something that they need. So sometimes putting all that money into your biggest nest egg that you can't get the money out of is a problem. And so I talk to people about that. I have them maybe age themselves another 10 or 15 years and say, okay, in 10 years, what is your life really going to look like? And what I find is people don't really think about that. You know, I've had, um, a lot of changes in my life, a couple divorces and, and I moved to different places. And so, yeah, I have a plan and then life changes my plan. And then I get to plan again, the, some, my friends laugh at me. They're like, you always make a plan. And it always changes. Yeah. Because I find a better plan. And, yeah. you know, like I would like to plan on my terms where I find something better than to say life threw this at me. And now I have to plan out of desperation. And so I think that that's helpful when you talk about how do you want to pay off your house or not? I don't know. Your plan is to stay here until you die. That's great. But is it a two story house? Do you really think you're going to want to make it upstairs when you're in your seventies or eighties? Let's think about this before you dump all your money into that. Maybe we need to reorganize a little bit. And so a lot of times I see people with either the financial side of my life or the mortgage side that have had a problem, divorce, death, um, a spouse passes away and that changes your pension, maybe your qualification status. And now you're just trying to figure out what to do with your money. Um, So that really, that really hinges on the decisions people need to make. And they just, they don't have anyone to think that many ways for them. I think that's probably the thing I'm proudest on. Great. Great.
0: And, uh, and what do you attribute your success
1: to? Um, I want to say determination, Uh, but when I was uh, really young, my parents divorced, and I found myself having to put myself through college at the time, and I never changed the plans that I had. I just changed me to fit where I wanted to go, so I find that's true even today. Every problem that everybody else would have said "Oh, that would have killed me or I would have not liked that or a divorce or whatever. Um, you get a chance to, like I said, I've hit the reset button a few times. I've been able to hit the reset button and redo me. I don't change what I want necessarily. I may want it in a different town or a different house or whatever, but I still set all those goals. And now I, I feel like, um, I kind of get pinged into a different direction and then I go that way for a while and set my goals accordingly. So I've always had big plans. I just think because I've never had anyone else to rely on and it's always come down to me, then it it puts a new sense of responsibility and toughness in you. If you don't have, if you were said today, you know, you need to borrow money from someone who would you get it from? I don't have any family living. I just have my kids. Um, so where am I going to get it? You know, what is my recourse? I don't have much. So I better be very determined and figure it out for me. I think that's
0: yeah. is- right. Yeah. Hey, one of the things you say, you know, you're trying to always basically look for the silver lining in anything, anything that happens in your life. You know, like if you go through a major thing like a divorce or, you know, relocation or death in the family or even now with the pandemic, people losing their job and everything else definitely you want to say okay the reset button i always say that you know this is the time to reset what's going on this is happening for a reason maybe it's getting my attention to going to some other direction you know
1: it does it changes the way people have their careers you know right. a lot of businesses and i'm kind of worried about all the real estate offices what's going to happen now that um office people don't have to go into office. Quicken, one of my lenders, you know, they're working from home. So that whole company that was based in Detroit, they're all working from home, like all 2,000 employees. So what's going to happen to that building um, if nobody comes back and they're not coming back for this foreseeable future? So, um, I think that's going to change our marketplace a little bit. It changes all the businesses.
0: Yeah, I see that in my office building right now, this parking lot used to be full. And now is maybe one-fourth from what used to be. And because a lot of people are working, but that's going to change the whole landscape of the business. And even real estate.
1: I found that I have two offices. I have one in College Station. I have one in Dallas and I bounce back and forth between the two and people would say I was crazy for having two offices and and I'm like, no, I go where the people are. So if people, if my clients need me in Dallas, I'm up there. If they need me in College Station, I'm down here. I mean, I'm different. I started out today in Dallas. I'm in College Station during the day. I'll be back in Dallas tonight. And then I have a closing in Houston that I'll go to. You know, I used to go to all my closings, and that's changed now. I sit in my little office, and I'm on the phone if they need me, but I'm certainly not in the closings most of the time. And that's changed things. It allows me to be a lot more productive because I'm not driving an hour to a closing, you know, now. I'm I'm just talking on the phone with them if they have problems. Um, so I think everyone gets to now – pick from a better group of people to work with and for, because now we find that you can just telecommute. You can just get on your computer and work. You don't have to be in Seattle just because your job is in Seattle. You can, you can live in New Mexico if you want. Um, so the mortgage business has always been pretty flexible. We went from everybody have to see you all the time and touch you in person <laughs> to, uh, you know, they'll do a Zoom call with us now and that's okay. So I think it's changed a lot but they still like to, to know that you're close by. So I, t- I keep a couple offices just so when people want to see me face to face, they can. Right now people don't want to, and I'm, and I'm fine with that. Um, <laughs> and I think that the pandemic has changed the way we look at our money. I've always said we don't have enough money saved up and most people don't. There are a couple paychecks away from being out on the street. I don't care if you're in a million dollar house or a $200,000 house or an apartment, you don't have enough money saved up for issues. And we see that with all the forbearance that's going on with um, not only student loans, which the government forced, but um, with, you know, houses, a lot of people took advantage of that forbearance with their mortgage that they shouldn't have because it does go against them. They do have to pay it back. It waves a white flag that they couldn't come up with the money any other way. And that's going to hurt them when they go to refinance or purchase another house. Um, They have to bring that up to speed and, I don't think they realized that was going to happen um but it's kind of white flag for us that there's a problem with that borrower um you should be able to tap into your finances and get some money to make your house payments even if you are out of work for a couple months that shouldn't put the whole country into shock and you see exactly it's done the exact opposite everyone went into shock yeah
0: that that's unfortunate you know but the thing is i'm it's kind of human nature right <laughs> you know yeah. there is like uh people don't really think that far ahead and uh and unfortunately then they get themselves in a situation we saw that in 2007 2008 sure. you see that nowadays although nowadays i think the difference is we're now seeing obviously we're now in a recession like 2007 2008 real estate actually has been doing better which you know is something i've been forecasting over the last few months too so if people really have to look at the you know, the per- people perception are changing. How the business is done, they're more comfortable now doing things virtually, right? Via Zoom, right. Right? closings or transactions. It doesn't have to be that you have to be there to touch things.
1: The, the mortgage world is the is the the slowest tank to turn around in this it's whole like ocean. Titanic, right? Yeah. to get off the iceberg. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's just, you know, they didn't want to do faxes. When fax machines were first out and we right. did loan applications, we had to have them faxed. And they were like, how do you know who's on the other end of that fax? Okay, now you're e-signing. How do you know who's on the other end of that e-signing? You know, and, and title companies have been very slow. And so is the legislation to allow us to close with e-signings. Um, some title companies do, some don't. In Texas, if you do a cash out, you have to be in the, re- the title company office. You can't do that remotely, not even with a notary. So those people are still going in. What a stupid law. There should be no difference in buying a, a house, a cash out, refinance, or just regular refinance that you have to appear in the title company. The documents are almost identical, except you're getting cash back. That's the only difference. So a lot of that is really silly, but um, it's the law. So we right, are still yeah. operating really silly-like.
0: Yeah, like yeah. you said, it's going to take a while, especially some industries like mortgages. You know, there's been so many mortgage fraud and things happening over the years that it's really caused a lot of issues. That you know, That's why they really don't know what to do now uh, sure. to really protect themselves. So what do you wish you would have known at the beginning Uh, that
1: you know now? I think I I would have learned to make a different infrastructure. I think this COVID and I think the way we're doing business nowadays is a lot different than we did when we first started. I think I thought I had to be at a bank or a big company and I found my strength in being by myself. Um, Being a broker, I'm able to do, I'm able to zig and zag with lenders a lot better. Um, Being part of a big structured tugboat is not always good. It is if you don't, if you're not aggressive and you wanna just get along and you build this huge infrastructure. I found that I, I work better when I assemble my own team of people that I'm, I know like and trust than just insert myself into a company that I can't control. So part of, I think my problem is I want the control because I think I can do it right. And when you have the wrong people helping make that group, um, sometimes you can get stuck. I, I was with a lender for a while and their idea was, Debbie, you just work too much or working our staff too much. If you would just slow down. Okay. Well, I'm a commissioned person. You don't tell me to slow down. I need more money to get my kids through college, not less. So I had to leave that company. Slowing down wasn't an option. Um, Just because they could not hire good workers or attract different personnel, why does that keep my income down? Where other people would have gone, okay, fine, I'll just slow down. Uh, To me, that wasn't an option because my family goals were more important than the business. You know, not all businesses are set up to be um, quick and nimble. And and I found that that's something I wish I would have not tolerated the times that I did. Um, and just been stayed nimble. If I have stayed on my own, I think instead of getting with those bigger companies, I think I would have been better. But I did learn a lot from all the companies. I learned all the bureaucracy and stuff that I don't want to do, you know, right. all the, and, and it's easier for me to manage me. I manage me pretty well. The problem is managing other people that don't have a like-mindedness. I think that's what I wish I would have known. Everybody says they want a job and they want to work hard, but that's a very um, subjective term, right? So somebody's one person's, I work hard. I work four hours a day and I work hard. I work 20 hours a day is a lot different. So when you talk about customer service and getting back to clients and some people think they're very reliable, it just, it's not my definition. So I've learned that i I have different definitions of words than other people
0: do. Right. right. Yeah, it's very important in growing in a business to, you know, work around like-minded people, like you say, and to be in a team of people that you trust. Because, you know, I, I'm sure you have too, over the course of the years, I worked with people that I should have not worked with, and they actually held me back. And created problems that I had to deal with. And right. uh, lost to even friendships, because unfortunately, some of these people I became friends with, and then things happen, we lost the friendship. So it's very important to be very careful who you work around with, and to build a system, to build a system that works with you, it, just because it's a bigger machine, like you said, working for a company right. that doesn't really back you up or it doesn't have your same vision it can hurt you in the long run so that you know not- it's
1: just like it's just like the way people live their lives you walk into someone's home and you have very structured homes and you have very messy homes and you have homes where i mean i've had girlfriends for years that you know they've been late their whole lives they were late to the first grade they were late to seventh grade um they they ran their lives late their kids were late and and they they're still late and we're in our 50s and they can't get anywhere on time so you know there are some things i think that that people just come with baggage we all come with stuff and nobody wants to show you their stuff in an interview or anything else very few people say hi my name is Debbie. I'm an overachiever. I'm a mother I'm a helper. You know, I, I work 24 hours a day. What can I do for you? And now I say that first out, I don't make any, uh, I don't quelch that. I don't keep that to myself. So, um, I haven't hired a lot of people to work with me because I find that their work ethic isn't mine. Right. 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 It's always harder to be
0: in a position where, you know, you need other people, which we do. But it's a, to me, it's like it has to be a very slow and calculated process. You know, I don't want to grow too big, too fast with the wrong people because I've done that before. And I'm always very careful who I'm around nowadays. Sure, surely. What is a tool that you use or a book that you've read recently that really spoke to you?
1: I think I have done more personal development in the last couple of years than I have in a long time. Um, so, you know, I always talk about my purpose. I think Rick Warren's A Purpose Driven Life was really what got me started on that a couple years ago. But I tend to put up, uh, pick up books um, about purpose, about um, not so much about sales and ambition and lists. I got all that. I can do that. Um, but really trying to figure out what I want probably um, more of I'm a big fan of the law of attraction I'm finding that that has as much to do with um, what you get in your life and and what you're what you're putting out there and then you know just finding out how to be happy I think um, there's a lot of people will give me books on happiness or the you know secret to success and success I think I've learned is different things to different people at different times in their lives. So success for me, uh, and i read all those books. I've always been like a big Zig Ziglar fan. I was brought up, you know, in the, in the eighties when I first started in business and um, it was, you know, you can achieve it and make your list and work your list and it's up to you. And I, I fell for that hook, line and sinker because that's what I had was me. So I think that really spoke to me where maybe that didn't speak to other people. But as I've learned, I've wanted different things in different times of my life based on what I was at that time. So for a while, it was more important for me to be a good mom. So I started my business out of necessity so I could have my kids with me in my office with me every day until they were old enough to go to school. So I always tell people, you never get that time back. Um, I always have been self-employed, raising my children, and I would have missed out on a lot of things had I had the, quote, regular job. Uh, for a while, I you know, was vice president of a bank, and they wanted me to be the regular job. So I'd take the kids to school, go to my job, leave around 4.30, pick my kids up. I was a regular mom. But I couldn't go to all the events and all the things for that year because I had my regular job. I found that I could work much faster being by myself and able to prioritize my kids. I don't think if you talk to my kids, they were probably wishing I was around less than being around more. But now <laughs> yes. that they're in college, you know, I get to see them now in a different light, and they call me every day, several times a day, and it's fun because I think I was the parent that I wanted to be because of my job, and. I could have had a corporate job, lived in a bigger city, climbed a corporate ladder, but I'm really happy that I picked what I did. Living in a smaller community like College Station was very homey, it was a great place to raise my kids. And now me traveling, it it gives me what I want now, which is being able to go to Houston one day, Austin one day, College Station one day, Dallas the next day. And I, I do loans now all over the state and Now when I can travel and go, nobody's traveling and going. So um, it's changed things. But I think the priority will change as you grow. And when you're self-employed, you can change with it a lot easier.
0: Right. Right. And so, you know, to wrap this up, uh, and you mentioned a lot of these things throughout the call, but what are the three best tips that you would like to share for a woman who wants to get started and succeed in real estate?
1: What are the three I, best steps? I think you need to know your why. Oh, that's another good book I read, Know Your Why. Um, you need to know your why you want to get into real estate, why you want to be self-employed, why you want to be in this business. Um, so that's a, the why is really important. And my why was formed over years, not all at once. Um, I think you have to have a lot of determination and drive not to let anything get in your way because the markets are going to change, the economy is going to change, people are going to change. There are going to be ups and downs. You have to be able to weather that tough stuff. Um, the the last thing I think we have to do is go with our inner calling. Listen to who we really are inside instead of what the world expects of us. You know, I I can't I can't press enough impress enough to people that just because your partner doesn't hear your drummer doesn't mean that you don't hear your drummer. And in my case, you know, partners have come and gone and I still have my drummer. And so in the end we're just all left with our own drummer. So I, I, now I follow myself or before as a woman, I think I apologized for my drummer. I said, you know, I know I have a very, Uh, loud drummer and I have a very fast drummer and um, my drummer is not in step with yours and they kept wanting me to be in step with them and um, I would temper my drummer depending on who I was around and um, I think if they really care about you and love you they will want you to be the best drummer you can, you know? And so um, they will listen to your drummer and you should listen to their drummer. And sometimes you're in step and sometimes you're not in step, but they don't squelch your flame. And I think that's one of the most important things If if you know what fires you, you just need to keep going down that road. Right, I, I really yeah. be honest with yourself,
0: right? And, uh, and don't feel like you have to conform to anybody else because at the end of the day, if you're not excited about what you do and you know
1: why you do it, it's not going to work. And, and that's it. See, you just said it. You have to know why you do it. So, what gets me out of bed every day is not that I have to fight another loan and get someone's loan to value lower. It's that I get to help them through a really stressful process and be a calming person for them, to lead them through whether it's their insurance policy or their life or someone's death. And we've got to sell a house and do something. I like being that stability for them. So that's what gets me up every day. I never know what the next phone call is going to be. I just hope that I can help them.
0: Right. And that's <laughs> the about the business. Every day is not the same, right? We're not in a routine. And that's right. what really kept me in the business so long. So, well, great. Thanks. This was a lot of amazing information. I like that you, people like you that have been in the business a long time and uh, share their story that is not just about the business, but their life and what they learn from it. It's very inspiring to our women that are looking to make a change. And, a lot of time we feel like we're alone, right? We feel like right. you know, nobody else is going through what I'm going through. No, we, we all are. You know, you went through two, two divorces. I went through two divorces. So I, I have four children. So I know all of that. Right. So it's really uh, speaking to a lot of people. So I, the- I
1: hope that people, women think that instead of getting scared and down on themselves, that that gives them the burst of energy that we had to go forward mm-hmm. and just do more.
0: Okay, so and do you want to share with the audience how you know how you can help them, uh, you know, how they can reach out to you, either being a mortgage where are you licensed, where can you do mortgages, and also for anything else that's real estate related. So, go sure, ahead
1: and information, sure. yeah. So, I have a, um, a website, dlbmortgageservices.com. Um, I, I talk on the radio, so I have money strategies with Debbie.com. I've, I'm licensed to do mortgages in Texas. I'm li- licensed to do investments and insurance every in every state, so um, I can really help people. Even if it's just a sounding board, I, I'd be happy to help. Um, and then on those websites, my phone number is everywhere. It's it's 3018 So um, they can call me, and I just I pick up my own phone. There's nobody. I don't have a staff to do that. So, um, <laughs> yeah, so from seven in the morning till about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, I'm on the phone usually. And, and you know, if you have questions about how to get started in the real estate business or, I, you know, I do some real myself with EXP. And if they want to learn how to, you know, be an agent and, and what that platform's like, they can call me as well. It's, it's um, business is changing and we just have to keep right. up with it. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for sharing all the information. And, uh, you know, I think uh, you're definitely an inspiration to a lot of women out there. Your story, the best way to share with people how they can succeed in the business is to share your own story, right? Right. Because you can talk about the mortgage, the real estate, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you share how you actually carry through in your life and what difference it made for you and the way you live and your vision and your children, that speaks to people and they say, I can do that too, you know? So it's very right. important to share the story like you did. So
1: thanks. Oh, thanks so much for having me.
0: Yes, thank you. And I'm sure we'll be in contact um, many more times.
1: <laughs> I hope so. Thanks a lot. Thanks.